Welcome to Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. Welcome back to Hallmarked Up with Sarah and Mary. We have a special guest with us today, Michelle. Michelle was invited because, A, we like her, and B, she was invited to share her expertise on classical music because today we will be discussing Chateau Christmas which on the preview night was described as a musical, but with classical. Of course, I'm sure we all have some opinions about how this movie went, but let's start with a bit of a a recap. Uh, I always like to get Mary to do the recap because she tends to remember more details than me. Michelle, we can jump in when uh, we, we feel like she missed something or got it wrong. Okay, sure. So Chateau Christmas is the story of Jackson and Margot. I do not remember the actor's name, Sarah, if you happen to have those handy. Oh, yes. I will. Luke McFarlane is playing Jackson, Jackson. which was a very not Hallmarkian name, I have to say. He also was a very, like, name generator Hallmark name. Yeah, I thought it was too new. And then we have Merritt Patterson, who played Margot, of course. And I want to point out that, speaking of the lead actor, he did not have Hallmark hair. I've seen no Hallmark hair yet this year, which is impressive. Hallmark hair, for those of us who, for those of you who listened last year might remember, Hallmark hair tends to be a kind of floppy hairstyle parted on the side. And this is like a Disney prince. And this is what we see most often with our Hallmark men. So far, no one's had it this year, but you know, we're only two movies in, so we'll see. And Jackson, actually kind of attractive. Oh yeah, he is. He's definitely cute. Unfortunately, ladies, he's gay in real life. Still a very cute man. All right. Well, fortunately for the gentleman, then. All right. So the story starts when Jackson is asked by his friend. And I'm going to admit, guys, I can't remember the friend's name. What was the friend's name? Adam. It was Adam. Adam. Thank you. Adam. Yeah. Jackson. The weird uh, hair. He had weird hair. Yeah. He had like almost that floppy Hallmark hair, but like, I don't know. It was middle part of it. I thought it was like very like Canadian hockey hair. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a good true. point. Yeah. I mean, what I thought was like, it's like if if a Hallmark man with Hallmark hair decided to go stoner. That's what or it just looked like, like. And we are in Colorado in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Or, or just like went too long without a haircut because of uh, COVID. Although or nothing that. else about this movie is COVID compliant. So it's probably not that. <laughs> no, that's true, a very true, good point. Though there were some times later on in the movie where it just seemed really natural for like old friends reuniting to like give each other a hug and nobody did. And I'm like, this was definitely filmed during COVID. But anyways, of course, I would hope they tested the actors, whatever. Anyways. So Adam is some sort of manager, entertainment manager. It's some kind of extremely fancy ski resort there in Colorado. And he asked his old college friend, Jackson, to direct this year's Christmas concert, which is going to be this huge event. And they've got this big name Broadway star to headline it. And he just needs to find a few more acts to go with it. And it's going to be great. And he agrees to do it kind of, it's always that thing. And Hallmark, whenever they always act like somebody has to be like really talked into something. And then it takes like three seconds and then they're like 110% in. So anyway, so Jackson's in. And then shortly afterwards, the Broadway star that got to headline it cancels because she has laryngitis. And so he's back to square one and they have nobody. Enter Margot. So Margot is a concert pianist who knows um, Jackson and Adam from college. 
And actually, she knew Jackson pretty well in college, if you know what I mean. And she and Jackson dated and they broke up when Margot made a career choice to go and like go on tour internationally and like do all this stuff and like left Jackson for that reason. She chose the music over him, I believe, is something that is said at some point. So they still loved each other or whatever, but they did not like leave each other on friendly terms because he was not ready for the relationship to be over. And so she's like a concert pianist and her Christmas performances have been canceled because of some like venue issues. And she's now spending Christmas with her family at this ski resort in Colorado. And so they run into each other at the lobby and, you know, have this awkward like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm playing the Christmas concert. What are you doing here? Oh, I'm here with my family. Oh, my gosh. Imagine seeing you, that sort of thing. And Adam talks Jackson into asking Margot to play in the concert, which she does. And she acts really, again, it's one of those things where she acts really hesitant to do this, but we all know that she's going to do it. And one of her like reservations about it is the fact that she's afraid that they can't get it together in this short of time. What's she going to play? And it's kind of like, you have another Christmas concert already lined up. Can't you just play that stuff? Like, aren't you? I have, I have a lot of arguments with the way that they uh, that they tried to plan this concert. The first one being that this like director role that Jackson has stepped into is not like coherent or sensible at all. But I'll probably get to that later. Well, and don't forget that when they met in the lobby, she was like not even with music playing a song that was supposed to be crazy fancy Christmas song. Like, we know she can just play things off the top of her head, so why does she need to practice a whole bunch? But right, or just, like, brush up on a little bit of old repertoire. Right. The bigger problem is that, like, Jackson really doesn't know what he's doing planning this concert, but he's also, like, a professor at a local college. And so, like, if you don't have anybody to play, your first move should be to call, like, all the, the faculty and, and I guess, like, the better students to see if you can kind of cobble something together. He doesn't do this. He's very, like kind of alternating between like freaking out and being very lackadaisical about it. It's, it's, it's very weird. To be fair, he does at one point call the college choir and oh, they, they, do, they, do, they, do, they do in fact perform, but you're right. Like it sort of seems to me like it shouldn't be that hard for him to find people in the area who can play some classical music on short notice. And like, it probably shouldn't be that difficult for them to pull some songs together. Cause who the fuck doesn't know how to play Christmas songs. So obviously they have to put the concert together. What happens next, Mary? So they have to put the concert together, and it's, of course, sort of bringing back old feelings, so on and so forth. And Margot kind of starts freaking out about the fact that he's totally disorganized and he doesn't have anyone to play this except for her. And so this is all on her. She agreed to play this concert, but she didn't realize that she was the only one. They need more performers. And like Michelle said, they kind of go back and forth between kind of freaking out about this and being completely nonplussed by it. So... One of their moments when they're being completely nonplussed by it, they go into town together to go shopping for, I don't know, he has to get some music thing. Oh, he also plays cello. cello. Yeah, so he's going for some cello strings, and she's buying a gift of a sheet music piano book for her niece. Right. And they encounter the owner of this music store, who is this, I believe Michelle described him as a salty old man. He is. But he's only salty by Hallmark standards. By normal (laughs) standards, he's actually perfectly pleasant. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. And they immediately recognize him, Sam is his name, as being one quarter of the famous Lafayette Quartet, which is a string quartet that used to be extremely well known in the region they haven't played in years. They're like, oh, my gosh, can you get the band back together? 
play you know for this concert and he's like absolutely never going to happen and once again because this is a hallmark movie everybody starts out saying something's never going to happen but then they're like surprisingly easily convinced they're not very good at foreshadowing so well, maybe they're um, too good at it i don't know they're like too good they're yeah they're, they're not very subtle it. yeah exactly there are a couple of obvious problems with the quartet getting back together. The most obvious problem is actually treated as somewhat secondary, which surprises me, which is that their cellist is fucking dead. No one is ever dead except old people in Hallmark movies. Right, but the cellist is dead. And we actually don't talk nearly enough about the fact that the cellist is dead and everyone thinks it's cool that we're just going to like get the band back together and it's going to be fine. <laughs> so the cellist is dead, but the bigger problem apparently is that the second violinist, so Sam is one of the violinists, the other violinist is Sarah. And Sarah and Sam, I guess, were together. And the reason that the quartet broke up is that they broke up because she wanted to settle down and have a family and he wanted to tour the world together. And they decided they couldn't reconcile those two things. And so she, you know, left him, left the quartet, got married and settled down and the quartet broke up. The fourth member of the quartet is Len, who plays the viola, who we'll find will be the easiest sell on all of this. He's not going to put up much resistance, even tokenly, the way that Sam and Sarah do. And so... And all of these things, I just want to jump in, Mary, also are bad foreshadowing or, or too much foreshadowing. Because as we know, Jackson is a cellist and he wanted Margot to be with him and she wanted to be a famous musician. So right. the story right. of this, yeah, so, this so. quartet is all too familiar, shall we say. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's just a, a parallel of their own, their own story. Absolutely. And so Sam says something like, well, sure, if you could get the rest of the band back together, again, ignoring the fact that one of them is dead. If you could get the rest of the band back together, then I would absolutely play, but that'll never happen. It would be a Christmas miracle. And so obviously they're like challenge accepted. And so they go to Sarah and they're like, oh yeah, well, Sam said he'd play if you would play. And she's like, did he actually say that? And they're kind of like, I mean, sort of, like we don't have this in writing, but like you have to take our word for it. And she's like, well, why can't he just talk to me himself? And they're like, he doesn't know we're here. He wouldn't be too thrilled about it if he did. But anyways, she in the end is like strikingly easy to convince. And also conveniently, she's divorced now. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. She is. No longer married, important point. But I think like much more of a much more of a romantic than than Sam is. So she she kind of thinks it will be great. Uh, Her only worry is that she hasn't played professionally in years and which is like a significant worry. But she's very easy to to talk around. Right. She's very easy to talk around. So she's like, all right, well, if the other two will do it, I'll do it. And so then they call Len and Len is like, oh, yeah, he's basically like, yeah, sounds great. If they'll do it, I'll do it. And so then they go back to Sam And they're like, well, how are we going to convince Sam to do it? And they're like, I know, we have Sarah show up. And so they walk into the music shop and they're like, Sam, do you remember how you said that you'd consider playing this concert if we could get Sarah and Len to play? And he's like, yeah, and I also told you it'd be a Christmas miracle because that'll never happen. Ha, ha, ha. And then like cue Sarah entering the shop. And then like, you know, stars pop into his eyes and like you know, Jackson and Marco are like, let's leave them alone. And so they go out and like have some hot cider around a fire. And meanwhile, we're left to assume, we're left to assume that Sam and Sarah are basically like getting it on in the music shop. We're then sorely disappointed <laughs> when we find out they're actually not getting it on. They're actually just talking over old times. But so, yeah. And so everybody's going to play and it's going to be great. So we've got the quartet, which is now a trio. We've got the, the choir from the college. And then we've got our headliner, Margot Hammond, who is this famous concert pianist. 
And so, of course, in the course of rehearsals, they realize that things just aren't the same without the dead cellist, whose name I forget. Nobody talks about him much. Yeah, I don't think the cellist actually gets a name. No, no, Charlie. Charlie, Charlie. thank you. His name is Charlie. Charlie. So things just aren't the same without Charlie. Charlie the cellist. I like it. It's good. Things just aren't the same without Charlie the cellist. They don't think they sound right anymore. And then Margot obviously is like, well, you know that Jackson is a wonderful cellist, right? And they're like, oh my gosh, play with us. And of course he's like, no, no. But then of course, because this is a Hallmark movie, it's actually extremely easy to talk him around. And so of course he ends up filling out the famed Lafayette Quartet and it's great. So the concert comes together. It's wonderful. Jackson's boss comes to the concert and so does the critic who panned Margot at the beginning of the movie. The critic who said that she, and this comes up throughout the movie, that she was technically skilled but lacked musicality, comes and tells her that now she is truly playing from the heart. And so now her music has a passion in it that it was lacking before. It was uh, it was Hallmark, you know, it, it was what it was. Meanwhile, Jackson's boss also came from the university and he's up for chair. Now, I don't know how Hallmark thinks academic chairs are chosen, but it's definitely not the way they're chosen like, I think he thinks that academic chairs are chosen the same way that, like, corporate positions are awarded with, like, a committee of higher-ups. And, I mean, I guess that probably could happen, but it's much more common for chairs to be, like, elected by the department. And they act like it's this coveted job where there's a search that goes on for months and months. And if you're right. hiring a chair for externally, that could be. But if you're hiring, if you're promoting someone to chair internally, it's usually, like, Two or three people have to be really talked into running because it's so much fucking work. Nobody <laughs> wants to do it. Yep. And then like and then you have a vote and like all of the like tenured faculty in the department or sometimes tenure track, sometimes they'll let continuing non-tenures vote vote and you pick somebody and it's a two year term. And then in two years, you do it all again. So in case anyone wonders, that's actually how academic chairs are chosen. It is not really the way it is in this movie where it's this big like corporate thing and then there's a press release. So yeah, I assume there's not a press release. Maybe there's a press release, but I can't imagine what press would care. That's right. Maybe they care about the music department of this particular college because it's a big deal. The concert ends up being a success. The, the critic loves it. Then what? Then, okay, so Sam and Sarah at one point are talking to Margot and they give her this extremely like not subtle... Like, thank you for bringing us back together. And we're so in love now. I'm going to live happily ever after. By the way, not to pry, but you and Jackson should bone. Yeah. Um, not in those <laughs> words. No, this Someday is so- I would love them to say those kind of words in Hallmark. But, you know, <laughs> now, so they're never going to say that. Right. Hallmark, they're like, so somebody like nosy old people who have like really specific thoughts on the chemistry of the the two romantic leads. There are always nosy old people. We actually forgot to talk in our last episode about all of the nosy old people in Jingle Bell Bride. But, um, oh, well, that ship has sailed. There were plenty of nosy old people. And the nosy old people always end up getting together as well. Well, Um, I'm sure we'll talk about we actually preferred the nosy old people story to the the main character story. (laughs) Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, so Sarah and Sam are like, look, I don't know what happened between you and Jackson, but, you know don't let love pass you by essentially let's get it on right exactly and so then you know Margot and jackson sort of find each other after the concert and are congratulating each other on a job well done and they talk it over and it's kind of unclear how this is going to work but essentially what is decided is that she doesn't have to choose between him and the music she can have both and you know they kiss and are going to live happily ever after and i guess she's going to go back and forth between like her career in new york and her hometown which i guess is boulder 
Um, man, it's Boulder, and I don't think anyone was high in this movie. Anyways. Except Adam. Except Adam, who, I, I don't know. He he had very frat boy vibes. I Yeah, I would think of him as more of a cocaine person. Yeah, I, I, I see that. He's in Colorado, though. It makes him a stoner, but but maybe not. Maybe not. I, I have no, to admit, right now, I, I'm, singing, I'm singing the ABBA song. And thank you for the music. Forgive it to me. It feels like that's how they would like, close out this movie. In, in it a, does. In a Broadway show kind of way. Oh, yeah. It does. And so so that's the movie. And before we move on to our usual segments, I actually think we have an opportunity to talk a little bit about something extra here, which is the music. And I'm particularly interested in hearing Michelle's take. I have some takes of my own. I would like to hear Michelle's take on the music that we heard in this movie. Okay, so I guess... If they said that it was going to be a musical, but with classical music, that is absolutely not true. We have like just little snippets of instrumental music that are maybe like 90 seconds long at the maximum. And most of the the, the piano pieces that Margot plays are so like she's always going around and like playing stuff and everyone's like, oh, she's so incredible. But none of them are very hard. They're these kind of maybe like one part classical, one part new agey arrangements of Christmas carols. Like she does Deck the Halls, she does Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and she does, uh, for the for the big concert, she does All Holy Night, which is supposed to be like a, a favorite piece of her dad's that her whole family loves, and that's why it's like so important to her. And I guess I, I just wasn't really that impressed by any of it. Like it sounded like stuff I probably could have played in high school, and I wasn't all that good. But you know, everybody around her is just totally wowed by her ability. And it's kind of, I mean, I guess Christmas music isn't really the right place to show off. You're trying to, especially when you're playing for an audience, you're, you're trying to kind of entertain and comfort people rather than to, to really show off. But it's kind of weird that this, that Jackson, a professional musician, would like hear her from across this, this big ski lodge and be like, who's that? Whoever they are, like, they're incredible at playing the piano. Because, like, I mean, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's not impressive to me. Yeah, that's fair. And at some point, we hear some string music as well. And I want to say the first time we hear Sam playing, it actually is a classical piece. I think we we agreed it was Bach. I think it might be one of the partitas. Um, yeah, I don't remember which piece it was. So, I mean, we do hear some more, you know, classical music in the traditional sense there but then you also made an observation about later when we're hearing the quartet play before they add the cello i think you said oh, yeah you hear, yeah yeah so this was really funny so we start out with this string ensemble it's two violins uh sarah and sam and a viola len so they're they're playing some piece i forget what it was i think it was oh come all you faithful and you can clearly hear notes that are lower than anything that a viola can play they just spliced in uh probably just a a regular string trio because i think regular string trios do have a cello in them they expected nobody to notice and and there's so many kind of bad musical continuity things like the the bowing on the violins looks wrong i think in that first scene when sam is playing the bach piece he is kind of drawing the bow like off of the violin with a flourish while the audio is still playing the last note. Like it just, the motions that 
the actors make with their instruments and their bodies do not match up to the audio. And it's, it's pretty glaring if you know to look for it. That, that yeah, it's surprising. I wouldn't have expected them to like learn how to do much of anything. But it does make me laugh, though, because it's not like they're amazing actors. So we could potentially have gotten <laughs> some musicians who, who, yeah. who could be musicians that we teach to act or vice versa. But they're not good at either. So, yeah. I mean, to be I fair, like, I think writing. Luke McFarlane, you know, the guy who plays Jackson, he's a pretty legit actor. And, you know, even Merritt, even though she's boring, was not that bad. But, yeah, you know, when you get these sort of side characters, could be anybody. I thought, like, deeply mediocre as an actress, actually. So they, they could have just replaced her with any non-acting, like, pianist and have it be great. He, I don't think, he didn't, like, impress me, but he at least was charming. Yeah, exactly. And And, and his character... Although it was so crazily stupid that they didn't think he should be in that quartet from the beginning, he didn't actually need to be that good at playing an instrument because he wasn't—he was directing it and he was only a part of it for that like one bit. Right. So you know, he didn't need to be. She was supposed to be this like world famous pianist. She didn't obviously play the music herself. Not that that's a big deal, but like. Yeah, there's a lot of there's just kind of a, a glut of good performers out there of all kinds, you know, actors, um, musicians, whatever. Woman who is going to be in one Royal holiday next week. Like she is an ex Broadway person. Like, you know, they do even know some of these people and they cast this girl who last year was a talented photographer, apparently. But luckily we don't have to know if she's any good at that when she's playing that, but we do have to know if she's any good at it when she's playing a pianist. So I'm actually fine with, you know, using, Sorry. sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, to be fair, I don't think you actually have to know how to play the piano to play a pianist. There there are ways of doing no, that. No, I agree. That's true. That's true. You don't have yeah, to so, be. But, like, but I just I felt like you- the caliber of pianist they made her be, she was definitely not living up to that with her acting. Yeah, I think there are ways to, you know, you, you can teach people to kind of do it right. And you can be careful if you have enough time and enough expertise to make the the motions of your hand and your body and your instrument match what's going on fairly well but with the with the string instruments in particular it just seemed like they didn't care i guess because you know they're turning these movies Merritt patterson herself is probably in like multiple hallmark movies this season and they just did not make it a priority should we move on to some of our regular segments here? Because obviously the music is going to continue to be a feature in, in some of these going forward, including the rewrite, I'm guessing. That's a good bingo. Congratulations. Let's start off with bingo moments. I am going to say mine. First of all, I had a couple written down, and, I, and as we sort of recapped, I changed them, I have to say. So <laughs> one... A Christmas miracle. Like, that is a total Hallmark Square. Yes. Um, I don't think getting a, a quartet together it would qualify as a legit Christmas <laughs> miracle <laughs> by any means. But because usually it's like, yeah, usually it's like healing a sick child or like something, you know, feeding the homeless, you know, some, some actual like miracle, but or Santa delivering all the presents in time, you know, like getting the band together is not a miracle. But I like that they called it that. And so oh, I it kind of is that. if one of them's dead. Well, that's true, which we didn't actually <laughs> yeah, achieve. It, 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 was a, it was a Christmas miracle failure. 
been a real um, Christmas miracle. And then yeah, the- maybe that should be the rewrite. Maybe the real Christmas miracle <laughs> would be bringing the cellist back. Well, you know, it, it would stick with our, our previous theme, Mary, but we'll, we'll get there. And then the other one that I wanted to mention, only because I found, and in fact, when we were watching this movie together, we were sort of texting through the movie. They decorated a tree with, like, a musical number, a Christmas carol playing in the background. But they decorated a Christmas tree inside their hotel suite at the chateau. Which, like, if I'm going to a chateau for Christmas, I'm not bringing my fucking Christmas decorations. <laughs> <laughs> like, they better have them there already. What, are, what about you guys? So mine is kind of related to this. My So my big go square is Pointless Christmas Excursion. With about eight days left until this concert happens, Margot and... Jackson are like, oh my God, we have so little time. And then he says, do you have any plans for tomorrow? And she goes, yeah, I'm going to the Christmas market in town to pick out ornaments with my family. If you're really... I know, that was super weird. And then we almost didn't <laughs> right. go so, there. They almost right. didn't so, even show so it. It was like, weird. Well, what the hell do they need ornaments for? You know, the same thought as you. Like, they are spending Christmas at a hotel. And then when you get to this, like, really shoehorned in tree decorating scene they have this like really flimsy justification which is like oh what a cool hotel i can't believe they got everybody their own christmas tree (laughs) yeah that really was very flimsy only in a hallmark movie absolutely what about you mary you know there are a few to compete with each other here but one of them that really stuck out to me is that well they decorate cookies together but not only do they decorate cookies together and of course it's a little bit clumsy or someone kind of gets icing on them and it's really adorable but when they decorate christmas christmas cookies together it's also this moment of like her family wink winking nudge nudging them into being alone where she's decorating cookies with her family he shows up and he's like oh yeah we're gonna go to the music store and they're like oh why don't you decorate some cookies first come on it'll be fun and then the second he agrees to stay and decorate cookies the mom and the sister peace out with like mm-hmm. a wink wink and a nudge nudge to Margot. Yeah, the family, Margot's family is very invested in the two of them getting together. It's all like, oh, well, you seem so happy. You should never have broken up with them in the first place. And like, she had the chance for a career as a touring pianist. That's really, she really hit the jackpot. And I completely understand why she thought it couldn't work, but her family just totally disagrees. Also, in Hallmark movies, people always confide there's always a member of the family to whom they confide everything about their love lives. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, in this case, it's her mom. Sometimes it's a dad. Sometimes it's well, a sister. Well, but it was her sister, too. Yeah, her the mom and the sister. In on it. But I, in my opinion, the mom doesn't know how to stay in her lane. Like, <laughs> there, there comes a point where you have to, like, take a step back and, like, let your daughter choose her own love life. The mom also looked like she was maybe 15 years older than her. Oh, yeah, that's true. And for a moment, I was like, that's her mom? Like, I, I really was trying to remember what was going on there because, like, I really couldn't, I couldn't figure, I figured it out. But, like, I was just like, she doesn't look old enough to be that girl's mother. Yeah, no, she looks very young. Definitely not old enough to have, like, a nine-year-old granddaughter. No. I feel like once you get over, like, 25, and, and it's anybody's game on Hallmark. <laughs> but also, can we, speaking of the nine-year-old granddaughter... I, I have to mention something as an academic here, and that is, okay, so the only timeline we're given for, like, how much time has been passed since 
Jackson and Margot broke up is a it was college and so however much time we think it's been since they were in college but then also Simone the niece and she is nine and in the first scene Jackson says that he hasn't seen her since she was a baby so we can assume that she was maybe one maybe younger but she was born when they broke up right in the meantime Jackson has started and finished a PhD gotten an academic job and gotten tenure yeah in like eight or nine years Right. So I finished a PhD in six years, and that was really fast. Most people would take eight or nine years just for the PhD. If you get a tenure track job right away, which most people don't, if you do, the tenure clock is five to six years. Like right. you don't you don't get tenure before that. Anyways, just throwing that out there. Yeah, yeah, it was it, and what's so funny about this is that he he makes some comment, well, like, well, I guess we just have different definitions of success where the implication is that his is to be kind of uh, the humble, is a more small modest town. and yeah. like dude you have a tenured position in music theory you have hit the jackpot yeah like you yeah. have gotten so incredibly lucky and you are more successful than anybody you went to grad school with and and, and so it's so disingenuous i mean probably it's not disingenuous the hallmark people just don't ever seem to know these things um I how mean, rare it is to be as successful as its protagonists are but it, it, it's just crazy that that he's like, well, I'm just this humble small town, like <laughs> settle down and uh, start a family instead of having a career. No, he has a career. And the thing with having two people who are as kind of fantastically successful as these two, especially Margot, is that like somebody's career usually has to come first. And the this being a Hallmark movie, the strong implication is that her career is not going to come first. They want it to not be like that, but it's not really practical. And there's a strong implication that she's just going to like stop touring because she's getting together with Jackson. At least that's how I read it. I mean, it is kind of glossed over at the end. It's implied that like she'll tour for part of the year and come back to Boulder for part of the year or something like that. But Mm -hmm. it's it's never hashed out, which to be fair, hashing it out would be boring. Yeah, I guess. But. So I mean, I, I guess I see that, but you're right. fully committed one way or the other. Like, she's not just like, you come on tour with me or I'm going to stay in Boulder. Like, we have some kind of compromise, I guess. But I, I did wonder, because this is, obviously, we, we, we don't appear to be very big fans of this movie, at, the, at least in this initial part of our conversation. What about hashtag relatable? Like, I could not think of anything very much that I found was relatable, except that the people were musicians, and maybe that's a real thing people do. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> to be fair, like, not many people make a living funny. off being musicians. A lot of people like music and play music, but like the proportion of people who like music and play music to the people who make a living off of it is I know, but probably I really, not accurately really struggled to find something real in this one because like. I just thought it was so not very good. <laughs> what about so, you? Guys? I can't even answer for this, which is I, so earlier. I was pretty hard on this movie for the way that Margot and Jackson sort of alternate between being freaked out about a terrifying impending deadline and and just doing completely unrelated shit. And I actually do that all the time. <laughs> I do not solve my problems with the looming deadlines. I distract myself with stuff that's more fun. For me, it's not usually like making wreaths and decorating Christmas trees, but it's something stupid. But but that's actually a good find because I I would have struggled to even notice that that is a parallel. But good good for you, Michelle. What about you, Mary? Well. I 
actually think the fact that Margot is like struck with this crippling self-doubt because of this one bad review she got at the beginning of the movie that keeps like coming back to haunt her through the whole movie. And the fact that she quotes that reviewer's words at people throughout the whole movie as a reminder of like, oh, I suck. Um, it's actually extremely relatable. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you both came up with much better ones than me. I just was like, this movie sucks. These people are not real. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I don't even know what's relatable at all. Like, it had too many hokey things and not enough real things. But those are those are some real things. Those, that's good. To be fair, though, you, you were talking about how much this movie sucked. It, and it does suck. However, I might... It might be one of the Hallmark movies I have disliked least. Wow. See, and I quite liked the last one. It would be one of my least dislikable ones of potentially all time. But which, to be fair, if we both really liked one or really didn't not like it, shall we say, at the start, that that's some high hopes for this season. But right. It might be a great season. I mean, you I, know. I don't know if they can live up to that expectation or not, but maybe. What was the last one you guys did? It was called Jingle Bell Bride. And there was a wedding planner from Manhattan who has to go to Alaska to retrieve these very rare Jingle Bell flowers for a celebrity <laughs> wedding. Sorry, that's a hilarious premise. For I know, right? And guess what happens? She's only supposed to be he there for a day. She stays in Alaska. Yeah. She stays in Alaska because she snowed the fuck in mm-hmm. with the hot florist. And, but it was, it was super it was very It was very diverse for a Hallmark movie. It was the first time we've seen an interracial relationship in a Hallmark movie, to be fair. Yep. Well, I so think. there was a minor interracial relationship in, in this one, too. The critic. That, oh, yeah, oh, I that's saw true. that. Oh, sounds, critic and her husband. So horrifying. She was married true. to a black guy. I did think, though, speaking of diversity, mm-hmm. kind of weird that we see all these classical musicians in these movies and there's no Asians. Oh, yeah. We had Asians true. in the last one. And she was a musician, in fact, the Asian. She, the she was the pop star whose celebrity yeah. wedding the main character was planning. Yeah. But no, you're right. And I think that kind of points, I think Michelle's kind of gesturing at something, which is like, when Hallmark does include diversity, it tends to be very tokenistic and not really with a ton of consideration to like the real world and so we have a black florist from alaska a black man florist from alaska which there are probably <laughs> only like three florists in alaska and i'm not sure any of them are black men i don't know I, i'd love a, to be a straight like, black man florist in alaska right if you are a straight <laughs> yeah, exactly. black male florist in alaska listening to this then you need to get in touch with us and we need to <laughs> that's movie. right we, but, we actually um, would like to interview a straight black man florist from alaska if there is one out there but then in a movie about like classical musicians, you know, a field where there are actually like a ton of Asian people, there are no, there are no Asians. Yeah, and right. so like we, we have token diversity, but we don't have like diversity that like actually reflects like how the real world works. Yeah. So yeah. if we were going to actually think about rewriting this and I, I mean, I would honestly just be like, let's throw it out and start again. But what? How, how could we go back in a particular moment in time in this and potentially do it a bit better? I have an idea for this. I don't know if anyone else has an idea already. But first of all, I like the premise of like building the movie around classical music. Now, I don't believe that it lived up to that premise. As Michelle said, if the promise was a musical with classical, it wasn't that. We only got 90-second snippets. But I would like to rewrite the movie actually doing that except except hear me out make it about sam and sarah that i could get behind they were far more interesting characters for sure 
Michelle, what do you think? Did you have any other ideas for how to redo this? I don't have an idea for a complete rewrite. The one thing I would say is that you could leave most of the movie intact and still make Jackson a slightly less clueless concert coordinator. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of silly that he's in this role at all because he's trying to... The director role doesn't make a ton of sense. You can be the director of an ensemble, but to be the director of a single concert at a place that you don't work, it's kind of odd. But I did think that it, it would be cute if there were a fun montage that was both of them like calling everybody they knew in the area and maybe maybe not in the area like starting out like she ca- she calls yo-yo ma and you don't have to get <laughs> yo-yo ma just like pretend she's talking to yo-yo ma and she's like he's busy and then go through everybody else and then it's like calling the freshmen that are incompetently taking string lessons at the university where Jackson works I thought that would be kind of fun I that would be fun and that would be it would definitely like the sort of doing a difficult thing and failing at it repeatedly before they succeed brilliantly montage is definitely a trope of like a lot of genres of movie, but it would still be a lot more fun than what is done in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause it, yeah. it just doesn't, it seems like they didn't even really try. The only thing that did was this moonshot of like trying to get this legendary quartet to play together again. Right. As if, as if, as you point out, as if neither of them know anyone else, which they obviously do. Right. Like, he works at a local university in the music department. He knows people. Right. And she is an international touring concert pianist. She knows people. If we did get the band back together properly, and I don't know, there's a lot of things in this movie that, like, it kind of reminds me a bit, like, Mamma Mia-esque. You know, the parents of the people, even though they're not the parents, are actually musical. And and then, you know, there's this this guy that is died. Like, it could be he could come back and join them. Or, you know, I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe it turns into a bit better of a miracle story where we actually go, like, instead of just substituting in Jackson, maybe we have to go find his son or something that's, like, now a famous cellist in his honor or some shit. So I think here's what we do. I think we relegate Jackson and Margot to the sort of like secondary character role that Sam and Sarah now hold. And so Jackson and Margot will be sort of the unwitting instruments of getting them back together, who will also happen to get together at the end, but them getting together at the end will be this cute side thing and not the main story. Instead, Sam and Sarah, we start out with like Sam being salty and lonely in his music shop and Sarah being a divorcee who's ready to gun with her life and kind of misses playing professionally. And, you know, something will be set in motion that will bring us to a lot of flashbacks of the quartet and the quartet playing in all their glory, the quartet playing some good music, the quartet playing back when Charlie was alive. And the fact that Charlie's dead, honestly, should be more of a conflict to getting the band back together than it is. That should be something that they have to overcome both emotionally and on a practical level before this can happen. Like maybe Len could be more instrumental in getting them back together than he is in this movie. Maybe Len can be the one who's like, guys, we've been mourning Charlie and like mourning the remnants of your like dead relationship for, you know, eight years or whatever. And, you know, we need to move on and like, let's talk about how to move on and they can be resistant to it. And then maybe they can go about replacing Charlie, as Sarah said. So let's talk about that. How could they... How could they replace Charlie? I'm wondering if there's some, that the quest is actually to like find a relative or something. And 
I don't know. Maybe maybe that's actually who Margot ends up with. Like someone who went on to have a really good traveling career and they're going to become a thing. And and Jackson's just happy with his like his his crazy tenured position. So maybe put Margot with the cellist. Interesting. Margot's yeah. got a thing for cellists, apparently. I mean, I oh. suppose it would create a bit of like strife between Jackson and Margot, but like she didn't really seem that into him except like I did write down, hang on, I gotta find it. One line that she said that just made me go, oh geez. Uh, when she's talking about Sarah and Sam, she actually says to him, seeing them reunite stood up some feelings in me. And I just would like it if she didn't say that line in our rewrite. <laughs> can, so- I, can I also share a particular line I wrote down that will not be in our rewrite? Yeah, go for it. Um, this is either Sarah or Sam says this. I don't remember who. We were dancing to different rhythms then. I wish we'd found our tempo. Oh, yuck. They just were too, they're too hokey, for sure. Like, a little bit more showing and a little bit less telling, because that's the thing. They have to tell us all of this, because no one in these movies ever has the slightest ounce of chemistry with their co-stars. Sarah and Sam arguably have far more chemistry than Margot and Jackson. Right. So I could see, like, Michelle's montage idea, I could see a montage also with, like, auditioning other cellists and trying to find someone who, like, works with the group. And they're having such a hard time. And then they'll, like, find the perfect person. And once they find the perfect person and things start to fall back into place, then maybe Sam and Sarah will start to, like, re-explore their feelings. And she could open up about, like, you know, why her marriage didn't work out. And he can open up about how, like, she's never, he's never, you know, really been happy with anyone else and maybe they would like to go back on the road together yeah i think so i think i think it just they just were far more interesting characters than margot and jackson and far more believable that they would end up together after he never did anything and she got divorced Mm -hmm. you know I i don't even i'm not even sure how Margot and Jackson are going to make it work in the end because of her plan to like half-ass travel and half-ass not. I do think as far as finding a cellist, it's keeping Jackson seems fine to me, actually. Like if, if you're trying to put a concert together on short notice, the guy who is, you know, a music professor and his main interest instrument is the cello and you just need to get somebody on the program and he's already like involved with concerts. So he's going to be around. It seems pretty logical that he would be the one to sub in, but I guess it doesn't make as good story because he and Margot don't really have any chemistry and they also don't have like a practical idea for how their relationship is going to work. Really so maybe, that's over that. it. maybe him being the cellist is our answer then. So they go through this whole yeah, montage of auditioning different cellists. Maybe they find him not just for the concert, but they want him to join the quartet and go touring and so now he and Margot would both be touring concert musicians and maybe he decides academia isn't his thing. And maybe that's how they make it work. Yeah, maybe. But again... Other and then she's not in, the, uh, she's not in their ensemble because she's not a string player. No, she's not. But then they would both have the same sort of like lifestyle that they're working with, at least. Yeah, they probably wouldn't see each other much. It'd be kind of that's tough. Especially yeah. if you wanted to like have kids, which it's strongly implied that they do. Everyone in Hallmark wants to have kids. Oh my god, yeah, every time. And there's always some, like, cherubic child that's already involved, like, yep. uh, you know, uh, sometimes it's the child of, like, a, a single widow or dad, or in this case, it's the, the heroine's niece. There's yeah. always somebody. 
if you are in a Hallmark movie, then you love kids or you are not in that movie. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Huh. Well, right. Well, I think we all agree that there were some far more interesting characters in this movie than the main two characters. Absolutely. Uh, the continuing romance of a third person who, you know, I definitely think that will make it more exciting to to get Margot somebody potentially better than the guy that's just going to stay in Colorado for the rest of his life. I would love to see that that guy would be, like, totally different looking to Luke. <laughs> not, not in the way that Adam is, but, like, in just, like, I don't know. But, you know, I, I think that ultimately... They got the main characters wrong. That's probably our biggest critique of this one, right? Yeah, I think so. But I mean, I think that's oftentimes true in Hallmark movies. And I think my other biggest critique, though, is that it did not live up to its promise, which, to be fair, I would have been surprised if it did. But I I think I actually, I I wanted more music out of this movie. I wanted more music, but I didn't especially like the music that we did get, if I'm honest. Fair enough. I wanted more music, but I wanted it done better. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I I do really like Oh Holy Night, but even that didn't really do it for me in this one because it just wasn't good enough. Yeah, the well, arrangement was not that not that great. The arrangements I, of the Christmas carols were all like designed to sound extremely fancy, and I don't know that they actually were extremely fancy, as Michelle's saying. Yeah, Michelle's no, a pianist, so she knows better than I do. But to my untrained ear, the arrangements sounded like they were designed to sound fancy, but not actually good yeah right. i mean i think a lot of people could have played those those pieces well and it's sort Including of like when you go to me. when you go see your favorite band at a concert and they make the songs so you can't even sing along because they do them so differently that's what it felt like to me that they were just like playing these so differently that you couldn't even hear the melody anymore and i didn't like that yeah so no, what that's is totally with- true my piano teacher growing up would like sort of softly discourage people from doing a holy night for Christmas recitals because she like strongly felt that it should be sung. Oh, I definitely prefer singing for sure. Yeah, yeah I actually kind of I think I agree with that. My sister used to sing at, at Christmas Eve mass, actually. Yeah, it's it's definitely the those long phrases, long notes, big swells, um, kind of hard to achieve in the same way on a piano. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And, and, and there's something about multiple voices singing different notes that really put the emphasis on how cool a song that is. You know, It can be done very well by a soloist, but it's meant for a choir. Yeah. So, do we have any last comments on this movie, or do we want to talk a bit about next week's? Yeah, I can pull out some next week's stuff, too. I, I, I think this one was a nice try, but... I'm, but I would have to say, Mary, I'm glad that I liked the the Jingle Bell Bride one, thought it was one of the best ones, and you thought this was actually off to a fairly good start yourself, even though I potentially disagree. Fair enough, fair enough. No, and Jingle Bell Bride, like I said, taken on its own terms, it was good. Just its own terms are, like, as formulaic as Hallmark movies have ever been. So. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. All right, so. <laughs> Sorry. No, go ahead, Michelle. I thought this one was sort of entertaining for showing what what happens when, like, the Hallmark writers have, like, these very set ideas. You know, we're going to have a cookie decorating scene. We're going to have a tree decorating scene. We're going to have... They seem to only kind of understand Christmas plays and Christmas pageants, and then yep. they, they kind of shoehorn this into that. So I thought this was illuminating as an illustration of 
what happens when they need to hit all of their notes and use all of their tropes, even when their premise doesn't fit it all that well. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a really good point. So, Michelle, we know that you, well, we don't know for a fact, but we're guessing that you did not watch the preview of the Hallmark Christmas movies this year with Candace Cameron Bray last weekend at 11 p.m. on Saturday night. No, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, we did, but we did want to know, and I'm... There's a movie coming out next weekend. There's actually, there's four next weekend, as you can imagine, because, you know, we need four the weekend of Halloween about Christmas. And three of them, we pretty much know what they're going to be about. And one of them we don't know, but we're also not very interested in watching that one. But one that we would love to know your thoughts on what it could be about is called On the Twelfth Date of Christmas. What do you think it will be about? Weird. Nobody in Hallmark movies is ever like a serial dater, so that's a really tough... They'd have to go on dates with like people that they don't like, and also they'd have to get... They'd have to get too many actors. (laughs) Very good point. Yeah. I really have no idea. The 12th date of Christmas. Yeah, 12th date of Christmas. Um, I know the implication is that somebody goes on 12 dates, and like the the 12th one is the one that actually takes, but... Well, do you know... I was thinking about this one. Also, it doesn't make any sense. And it, it could combine one, a couple, actually. I talked about in the preview, there was one that Mark Paul Gosselaar, a.k.a. Zach Morris, was in on ABC Family, now known as Freeform, where a woman has 12 dates because she it's like Groundhog Day kind of scenario. But then there was also one, and I don't know, Mary, if this was one last year or maybe the year before, but maybe you did watch it, where someone got, like, the 12 gifts you know like the 12 days of christmas like delivered to their house each day oh i didn't see that one and so to me it feels like a combination of those two movies into one but i guess we'll have to see what happens (laughs) so as it happens sarah and i do know what it's about and can i tell her because i think it's hilarious of course okay so the main characters are colleagues who are going to fall in love and they work for Wait for it, because this is one of the all-time... This is one of the top ten, like, that's definitely not a real profession, Hallmark professions. They are game designers for a scavenger hunt company. Yeah. And they are designing a Christmas scavenger hunt that will involve 12 dates. Two seemingly incompatible game designers team up to create a romantic citywide scavenger hunt for the 12 days of Christmas. Starring Mallory Jansen as Jennifer... And Tyler Haynes as Aiden, premiering on Sunday, November 1st at 8 p.m. Well, I've just pulled up just for our own little feel-good moments, the reviews of the two movies that we watched that are on the app. And Christmas Chateau is definitely a favorite. Talked about the story's great, great chemistry. I don't know about that. (laughs) Show me a Hallmark movie with chemistry. We need to be on a mission this year to find a Hallmark movie with chemistry between the main characters. Like I said, you could convince me that Sam and Sarah had chemistry. You cannot convince me that Margot and Jackson had an ounce of chemistry. I know. Well, I mean, I not to be fair, he was very, very good to look at. So maybe I felt the chemistry more. But do you remember the one we watched last year, Mary, with uh, Leah Michelle in it, the ABC one, and that really hot black guy? And I mean, they felt like they had chemistry, but maybe I just had chemistry. Notably, it was not a Hallmark movie. Notably, that was not a Hallmark movie. So I mean, so some they know how to do it, just not Hallmark. I and I think you're right that like 
I personally, as a viewer, had more chemistry with that leading man than the leading lady had with him. The reviews of Jingle Bell Bride are also very good. They One person did write, you got the casting wrong, and I do wonder mm. what they mean by that. But otherwise... It's I would like to believe that they are also referring to the fact that there is zero chemistry, but more likely they're just a racist. Well, that's what I was wondering. Are they some kind of Trump fan or a QAnon person that will now never watch Hallmark again? I'm curious. When there's Hallmark movies that get bad reviews from Hallmark's own audience, like what's usually, what has to happen for a Hallmark movie to get a a bad reception? I mean, I think there's an interesting dimension to Michelle's question, though, which is, so we know that Hallmark has you know, provoked the ire of its conservative fan base at various times. But I'm curious, what would it take in terms of, like, the actual storyline, acting, you know, movie, etc., for a Hallmark fan to be like, meh, not the best? Well, one would argue not much because they just keep spinning out the same storyline over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Point. watching them. So, I mean, to be fair, which is why I was excited about Jingle Bell Bride, not having her not stay in Alaska and, you know, the things that would typically happen. So, you know, I think I was telling my my, my mom and I talked about the movie. She watched it as well. She was like, maybe they actually listen to your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I do wonder if, like, first of all, we can't spit out the same storyline every single time. Although, like you pointed out, Mary, when you make 40 movies, there's only so many plot lines you can have. But ultimately, to make them not be so formulaic, maybe that will give them some more storylines. Like, the, the pot in the bingo pool will get much larger if they, if they change it up a bit. We know that the 12th dates of Christmas will involve a scavenger hunt. We don't know much else. But I think that there is one thing that we do know will happen at the end of most likely all of next weekend's movies. And that is that they will fall in love so tune in to the next episode of hallmarked up and we'll see what's happened on the halloween weekend of the christmas movie premieres i can't even believe i'm saying that as a sentence thank you very much michelle i know right thank you very much for to michelle for joining us i enjoyed your insight and expertise particularly on the musical front listening to Hallmarked Up. Find us online at hallmarkedup.com, on Instagram at Hallmarked Up, and on Facebook at Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. Remember to follow, listen, and review wherever you get your podcasts.